When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, Our guest in this episode uh, is a former professional footballer uh, who happened to be plying his trade uh, at a time when the sport was in complete crisis mode. Uh, I speak of the uh, sports supplement scandal, the biggest uh, drama to ever hit uh, the sport. And uh, our guest was at the very club that was at the centre uh, of that scandal. Uh, he's a WA boy, born and bred, uh, and he's our guest in this episode. So hello and welcome to Nick Comma. Hello. Nicholas, officially. Yeah, Nicholas. To, you can but use Nick there. We'll go with Nick. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, let's get straight to the, the Essendon stuff. Um, you were drafted there at the end of 2012 after most of the, uh, the, the spoken about drama had happened. Yep. Um, tell us about the time that you were drafted and what you were walking into? Uh, well, the first, I don't know, say 2012, say November to um, February. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Got drafted, <laughs> about to play um, my debut game, essentially. Um, and then it pretty much comes out in the media. I don't know how, but essentially before round one. And then from then on, it was just week after week. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, a few of the boys got blasted, but... Yeah, what it was, I suppose. So you were picked up, uh, you'd been playing, we'll we'll go back over this a little bit later, but you were playing for East Perth uh, through 2012. Obviously, things going very well for you. You catch catch the eye, Uh, you're drafted uh, at the end of uh, of, of 2012, uh, pick 73. Um, Essendon, that's your new home. That moment, you're thinking, wow, I'm ready to take the step. The AFL dream is about to be... Uh, is about to materialise. Yeah, it was it was huge. Like I suppose yeah. every young boy playing footy wants to play AFL, and I thought that pass uh, kind of passed me by by the mm. time I was twenty twenty one. Um, but luckily enough, like I said, just caught the eye of, fortunately enough, of a, a recruiter, and yeah, the rest was history. I got yeah. trained with them, and luckily enough, they picked me up late in the draft. Yeah, as you said, seventy three, so pretty late in the piece. One of the one of the great clubs, love them or hate them, and plenty of people here do hate them, of yep. course, particularly <laughs> West Coast fans during the uh, Kevin Sheedy jacket waving yep. era. But uh, Essendon as a club, they are one of the the prestige clubs of the comp, aren't they? You must have been excited to be heading there. Yeah, it was huge. Um, yeah, the legacies there, like the Fletchers, um, Sheedy as well, Heard, Heard. Lloyd, <laughs> Lucas, all like. And they're a huge family club. You walk in the door and, you know, Scott Lucas is having a coffee at the coffee shop and he says, g'day, and Lloyd's there. And 
they're all they're all really nice and mm. they um get around you and their their kids are down there now starting to play and it's yeah, it's a really family orientated club and as you said, it's just a huge club as well. You know, yeah. Massive supporter base, fifty odd thousand every year members um in Melbourne, which is tough to do, obviously over here in WA. It's like that for the West Coast Eagles because they rule the state. But um yeah, it was huge over there and uh just really enjoyed my time and they were really welcoming for me. Yeah. And so when you first get there, obviously this is a few months then pre eruption. Of, of scandal. What was it like settling in there? Yeah, it was good. Um, I was fortunate enough to to move straight in with a couple of WA boys, Dave Myers and Travi Colley, who's Trav's now at, at Frio. Dave's um, retired. Um, but, yeah, they took me under their wing. I'd already known them from PSA days. He, Dave was a Wesley boy, uh, Travi was a Trinity boy, and I was a Hale boy. So we worked, got on pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, at training, I think most footy clubs, everyone's pretty good to you. But at the same time, it was that step up and, mm. you know, you were not there to make friends. It's there to play footy and it is business. Mm. Um, so that was the step that I needed to take and did so for the first little bit. Yeah. It was good. What about their off-field program? Obviously, you're trying to work your way into training sessions and become part of the, the club, but off-field yep. is where the drama really happened. Yeah. Um, what were your immediate impressions of their program around nutrition and supporting, you know, your athletic yep. en- endeavours? Um, once I'd got there, I think they'd – probably clued on to that it was borderline. So by the time I got there, it was business as usual. We had a nutritionist um, and the weights coach. Um, the boys were looking pretty big, so they'd obviously – this was at the end of it. So they had to shed a few kilos, but weights program was just uh, normal, I suppose, weight, mm. weight stuff a couple of times a week. Um, Nutrition-wise, the step for me, um, myself, was, yeah, just eating healthy and stuff. But there was nothing that I was told to eat. Uh, take or anything mm. other than basic common sense type stuff. I mean, you you pretty much got there as Stephen Dank was gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Um, how long before his name came up? Um, and, and what was the general vibe around Stephen Dank when when you got there? Uh, yeah, uh, his name was mud pretty much by the it, time I. It was already mud then. Yeah, yep. like by the time I worked that out, so early 2013, mm. it was yeah, it wasn't very good, and especially living in, in Melbourne. You know, the media over there is pretty oh, ferocious. onto it, yeah. So yeah. it was in the paper pretty early in the piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the players around you, um, you know, obviously you reflect on the year that's just been. Yeah. Um, what were their reflections on on 2012, um, just as you arrived? Uh, it was more, not in terms of the, the supplement program, in terms of performance. It mm. was, they thought they could have done a bit better um, and – like all footy clubs, I think they're just thinking about what you want to do next to get that advantage to, yeah, to yeah ultimately win a flag. Yep. So they had to decide, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to go about it, and yeah, yeah. Um, what ha- what happened then? Uh, when was the first time that it it absolutely just exploded? You know, like a like an angry volcano yeah. that it did, um, yeah. and didn't, and then the lava didn't stop flying for a long time. Yeah, but tell us, tell us when. Uh, you know, where you were at when it really first exploded? When it first went off, it wasn't too bad because no one knew the extent of it all and no one knew how the AFL would find or SADA would find the the verdict and all that kind of stuff. So it was Mm. pretty kind of chilled out to start with. Like there was a lot of media, you know, media outside the club, um, outside people's houses and stuff to start with. But it wasn't wasn't until round probably three where we came to Perth and heard he got smashed in the media the next time we came to Perth where Joe got booed by the fans it started to keep like building up 
And then by the end of the, that year, when we eventually got kicked out of finals, that was when it all kind of, once we actually got fine, kicked out of finals, um, that's when, yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, geez, this is pretty serious stuff. It kind of just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And then eventually when they made the verdict, you're like, oh. Yeah. And then eventually, as you all know, the boys got and ended up getting suspended and that was, uh, I suppose, the cherry on top of it all. Yeah. What was the feeling like in the playing group, though, as, as all of this scandal was really starting to play out? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it was pretty – I think it was a bit of disappointment that that, 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 that it happened to the club in terms of, like, as an 18-year-old, I'll use that as an example, that if they tell you to do that, you're going to do that. Like, mm. you know, if Job's doing it, I'm doing it, like, type setup. And there's 40, I don't know, people just did what they were told because you're not questioning – you're not a sports scientist, you're not, you know, a doctor or whatever. Um, you'd, you'd expect that they've done their due diligence and – you, they're doing the right thing by you, and when they all got, you know, fined and suspended, mm. they I felt they felt pretty let down by the club for D- a period. Did you um, did you ask questions of the players? You know, what what have you taken? Did you yeah. know that what you were taking was was borderline illegal? Um, oh, not Dave, who's my best mate, Mizey at the time at the club. Um, I was like, what do you think? Like, and he's like, well, I don't know. I don't think it's bad, but I don't think like it's not. Mm. It's in that grey yeah, area. It's in that grey area, but like I was saying before, there's every club wanted to do that little one percent extra to try and get you know get the gain over the competition. So I'm not sh- the fact that they there was in that grey area. Maybe a couple of red mm. flags coming up, and as you know, probably Dave Zaharakis as a few boys didn't didn't get involved. But I don't think it was yeah clear cut to be like, no, nah, I don't think we should be doing this. Mm. So yeah, it was tough for them. We mentioned the ferocious uh, media appetite yeah. in Melbourne for anything to do with. I mean, you know, an AFL player just has to get a parking ticket, and yeah. they're all you know, it, it's a frenzy. It's crazy. Um, what did you make of that of that media uh, storm that erupted there? W- was it over the top? Yeah, in my opinion, um, you know, we're having end of season drinks in 2013. There's they're outside Job's house. We're going in and out. People are trying to get interviews. And it was a time where you could see the strain on, especially Job, Hurdy, the other leaders of the club, and they were run down. They were looking pretty mm-hmm. average. Um, they looked distressed, and it was yeah, it, it became a bit of a mental health thing in the end. Like, oh well, yeah. as we know, yeah, 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 exactly. Sadly, now with uh, yeah. with what James Hurd's been through, yeah. Um, what I mean for you though, you, you've gone over there to try to realise your AFL dream, yeah. Um, how do you process that now a few years on? Just it, unfortunate that you landed at that club at that time. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's it's stiff because all the boys, you know, got put through it. But at the end of the day, I was I always say this to my mates, I got kicked out of a final series and I didn't do anything wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> where's my kind of reward thing? But um yeah. yeah. It was it was the the main thing for me was like living with Dave and Trav and seeing how like stressed and mm. they were and how much it affected their life outside footies with their partners and their families. And it wasn't just the boys, obviously, you know, you, you're wearing a bomber's scarf here sitting in the stands and my family's getting accused of being drug cheats and stuff like that, which I'm... Is that right? Yeah, which is... When you're, when you're back playing here? Yeah. Yeah. That was... That that uh, Job game, which I'll never forget how loud they were booing Job at Subiaco Oval. I was just like, wow. Like, I love footy, but I think there's a time where you can draw the line and just go, oh, this is bigger than all... Yeah, more important than footy in so someone's well-being. Were you, were you aware that it had become such a big national story before you got here and experienced that booing? I mean, you know, Melbourne can be a footy bubble, but yeah, 
Yeah, was, was that a, was, was that a, that was a moment for you? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, the 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 round three against Fremantle in two thousand thirteen, where Hurdy got ridiculed, which was pretty tough for him. Um, that was it, and then it just compounded again. I know WA loves their footy and and stuff like that, so they do anything to you know. Yeah, to rattle the opposition. Yeah, exactly, which is yeah. fine. I'm I'm happy with that, but I yeah. think when it when it goes over the line of yeah mental health, that was a bit. Interesting mm. for me. Yeah. Um, what was your relationship with James Heard like? Because yeah. obviously, you know, you <laughs> talk about different points in your careers. Yeah. yeah, it was actually really good. Um, he Obviously, it's always easy to get on well with uh, the coach that plays you. I ended up playing 19 games my first year and when he coached. So it was good. He gave me my debut game. We got on quite well. Went to his house for dinners. He was... He was a really, uh, really good guy. Like I was saying before about the club, he was a family man um, in terms of getting around to all the young players. He really wanted to make you feel like that you belonged at Essendon, which was, which I thought was really important. Mm. And I think that's probably overall what hurt him the most was that he let down a club that mm. he is so important. He was so important at, and probably still is. To yep. be honest. Yeah, uh, Nick, we need to take a break. No but worries. We'll get into that uh, some more right after we uh, take a break. This is inspiring stories. On 882 6PR, back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we're with uh, Nick Comer uh, pouring over uh, the details of the biggest scandal to rock uh, Australian rules football, the Essendon Supplements uh, scandal. Um, you've had a great season in 2013, right? You mentioned 19 games. Was it hard to focus on just doing your best out on the park every uh, week while all that was going on? Yeah, but it was also an escape at the same time. When you're playing, yeah. you're not actually thinking about yeah. outside um, yeah, um, noise. So it was good to actually Saturdays or Friday nights, whatever it was, getting out there and just running around with your mates and enjoying footy mm. again, which yeah. is what you generally always play for. Which which must have been hard for the blokes who were still, you know, part of what was the scandal. You arrived straight after, if you like, but for those who were essentially part of it and their names were on that list, yeah. um, that must have been hard. Yeah, I think Hard so. to really switch off from, from what was going on. Yeah, you'd say so. I think if you look at the form, we would have been top of the table halfway through the year and then as it kind of just kept wearing people down... We started slipping away. We still saw signs of good footy, but we just weren't where we, we, we knew we could be because of just, mm. yeah, this, I think this external noise really got yeah. a few people in the end and it wore a few people down. Uh, James Heard, obviously, such a, a pivotal figure in the Essendon story. What about Kevin Sheedy? When was the first time you met Sheeds? Um, yeah, sometime to 2013, came in. He always pops his head in. He's, as we all know, he's he's done so much for the game oh, of footy in general. Yeah. Um, and he's a huge, huge Essendon man. So, um, yeah, just met him through 2013 sometime. And I remember just looking at him like starry-eyed little boy yeah. and uh, just hanging on to every word he said. Yeah. Um, he was just talking about at that time, just getting back to playing footy and enjoying yeah. just what I said before because that's all we could really control mm. um, and try our best to keep punching on, I suppose. Yep. Um, when did things start to unravel and you started to have to accept the, the, the prospect of, of being essentially booted out of the, the team at, the, at that point, yeah. being booted out of the comp? Yeah, uh, that just that last probably round, you know, 20 to 23, when was the mm. verdict, the draft picks and the fine and the and the kicked out of uh, the finals, which was which was very sad for the boys. Um, 
just around that period, and I think we kind of checked out. Yeah, those last couple of games. I think if you looked at them, we would have got smashed in all of them. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty hard to focus on. Yeah, what you're supposed to be doing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for you, obviously, you've you've had a a, a pretty good year to that point. Yep. Uh, where was your head at? Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in it all. Um, but I'd broken my hand actually as well, so I don't know. I just was missed the last game, and then thought hopefully that they by I don't know. Miracle, yeah. They'd say we weren't kicked out, we could play finals the next week, but mm. yeah, I was just a bit all scattered around. And I think, um, once it got handed down, I don't I think there was about five people at Fessenden left in Australia in about a week's <laughs> time. Everyone just went, See, up. yeah, gone, we want to get away, yeah. Um, and it was it was good actually because I got away as well with them, and it was good to just hang out away from it all, yeah, at the end of that year with without getting hassled, um, but yeah. So you, you've gone off for an end-of-season trip with yep. all the blokes that have basically been yeah. caught up in all of this. Yeah. What was what was that like? Uh, where, was, where did you go? What did you do? With America, um, Las Vegas. So we'll leave that story off the air. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we did LA, Vegas. Bit of Give us stuff. the stories that you'd, you'd at least tell your mum and dad anyway. Oh, Come on, Dan. Um, <laughs> nah, just a couple, lots of lots of beers, lots of just boy time, um, just – Speaking, you know, about games throughout the year, your highlights, your lowlights, all that kind of stuff, and just yeah. general general chit chat. And that was when you forge. I think you're mm. playing your footy and hanging out and drinking beers with with your with your close friends as well. When seems yeah. like my fondest memories of that footy club. So a lot of those blokes, I would have been having to think about what, what the hell am I going to do next year, though, right? Yeah, correct. So I think they still played the next year, but there was a lot of people, you know, that that are worried about trades, yeah. uh, their contracts are coming up, um, all that kind of stuff. So that's stuff I haven't personally really talked about, but, um, you know, the pressure on them to make decisions, if they get traded to another club, then all of a sudden, like a few of them did, have to sit out a year. How does that impact them mm. down the track, all that kind of stuff? So they, it's, you know, on holidays, but at the back of their mind, there would have still been something where they have to mm. start worrying about their future. Yeah, what about your future? What were you thinking at the time? I just signed an extra two years, so I was thinking, I'm killing it, <laughs> you beauty. Um, but, um, yeah, I was really enjoyed it. Like, obviously, that aside, being able to play that that first year and get a lot of games under the belt, I thought that I was in a pretty good position to hopefully forge a long AFL career. Yeah. Wasn't the case, but at the time, it was still mm. enjoyable, and I still thought I gave it my, my best shot to do so. Yeah. When did you first start to see – the cracks really start to appear and, and open up with with James Hurd because obviously he's then you know slid further down into some some pretty serious mental health episodes. Yeah, that just through if you took a picture of him even at the start of 2013 to the end, mm. just the AFL season, you could see a bit of wear and tear on on the face, and just he wasn't himself in full vibrant. He's quite a nice, talkative, chatty guy. Mm. Um, that deteriorated throughout the throughout the year, um, but. Through that early 2014, well, after he, you know, had to stand down, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, as we all know, it got pretty pear-shaped pretty quickly after that. He seemed to be the focal point for all the the rage and anger uh, and, and frustration expressed at the club. Was too much placed on him, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Um, I mean, he can't have been the only one there yeah. who was complicit in the program. Yeah, and he's there. And like I was saying before, he's the head coach. If the the scientists, the the, the, the behind it, uh, the doctors and stuff say this is what we should do, yeah, it's pretty hard to say no. I don't think we should do that mm. without any, you know, evidence or backing. So yep. 
he had his he put his faith in people that he trusted and along the line somewhere it got it got let down. So. Mm. Are you still in contact with him at all? Not recently, but uh, over the couple of years through that period, yeah, I exchange a few texts. You always just go, you know, how you going? He might get back two weeks later and just say, going well, mate, thanks for the text. Um, yeah. Um, but it's just good to track bits and pieces and look after him. He's, he, um, he did have a tough time. So Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, after his departure, um, did another <laughs> incredible figure in football. I say incredible because, uh, again, uh, on-field legend, off-field yep. somewhat of a legend. Yeah. <laughs> but now also had some just incredible off-field dramas as well. Yep. Uh, Bomber Thompson, I'm speaking of. Um, yep. What are your impressions of him and, and, and his downfall in recent times? Um, yeah, geez, that was... I mean, were you as gobsmacked as, as everyone? Or could you, again, could you sort of maybe see some signs back then? Um, not necessarily huge signs, but he, he was quite erratic. But I think all good good minds are. His footy brain was as good as anyone I've ever watched, listened, seen work. He was amazing. His time at Geelong speaks for itself. Yeah. And then he comes here. Little tweaks that you think would be nothing all of a sudden are a masterstroke with him and the way he coached and the way he delivered messages was, was exceptional. Yeah. Um, his erratic behaviour obviously was his downfall in the end, but mm. I think that's what also made him an elite coach and an elite player of his time. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily. I didn't think, like, looking at him, you know, he's going to spiral out of control. But yeah. um, some life choices along the way, yeah, where I thought probably not the best option there, Mark. Uh, yeah. It turns out that it didn't work out well for him, yeah. No, to, to, to put it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the time, I suppose if you wanted a, a, a safe, safe-ish pair of hands and, and a club legend. Yeah. Uh, to take the reins, yeah. was there ever any question that he was the man to to fill in at that time? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. I don't know if Sheedy was at GWS. That would have mm. maybe at the time he could have been around then or something. Um, he might have just been not there. Um, but, yeah, it was a really, you know, as I said, in his time at Geelong, mm. it was huge. It was, they were a dynasty, basically. Mm. So I think it was a pretty wise option. Um, no one could predict I no. think the next couple of years after that for Mark. No, it's been uh, it's spectacular mm. in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, another huge figure in, in footy in, in Woosha. Yeah. Uh, again, a different character. Yeah, completely different. Um, your impressions of, of John Walsfall? Yeah, um, got on really well with him, obviously. <laughs> the coach that delisted me, but he was a, he was a super nice guy. He's very softly and gently yeah. spoken um, for one of the – Hardest blokes in, in footy growing mm. up, um, being a young whippersnapper, watching him come off a halfback flank. They uh, he Just was barrel through yeah, people, yeah. As hard as nails. Um, yeah. And the way he, uh, he he talks to you and he's very personable. He'll have a chat with you. He's yeah, as I said, softly spoken. He was a he was a real gentleman. Yeah. How tough was that conversation though when you found out you were being delisted? Um, yeah, I was a realist and I thought with my injuries and and my ability to to get back on the on the track, I could see it coming um mm. you know there's always a bit back in the mind thinking hoping i can hang on here and get mm. back and get back to some good football but i yeah saw it coming and he let me down gently and he's like you can train on if you want and all this kind of stuff that they option but i i just said mate i love my time here but i think it's time that i you know i was a mature age and i needed to do something after footy so i decided to move on and um get a bit of study under the belt so, yep. yeah yeah um and obviously, uh, that was 
what prompted well not not straight away you move yeah. back to Perth because we might uh, get into your uh, time with one of the other <laughs> colourful characters the AFL you've yeah. you you've come across some amazing people uh, yeah. in your time in the AFL uh, and the next one uh, was also uh, a coach of yours we'll get into right yeah. after the break uh, the one and only Brendan Favola this is inspiring stories Nick Comer is our special guest back with more soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, We're hearing the story of Nick Comer. I think we've probably... uh, Dragged you through the Essendon, <laughs> Essendon drama quite enough, uh, Nick. Um, you mentioned, unfortunately, uh, John Walsfold's arrival there, uh, then precipitated your departure uh, from the club. That was the end of uh, 2016. Were you were you thinking then about maybe coming back to to Perth and starting your post AFL career here? Uh, what kept you in Melbourne in the end? Um, not much. I just wanted to uh, stay in Melbourne for just a year to enjoy Melbourne for what it is, which is mm. essentially, it is an awesome, you know, sporting uh, capital. you got the tennis, you got the cricket, you got footy, um, pubs, bars, all that kind of, the nightlife yep. of Melbourne um, is really good food, all that kind of jazz. And I thought... All the things you couldn't really do when you were playing. Correct, yeah. exactly. So I thought I'm, I've spent a year long enough, so I might as well stay for one more year to uh, yeah. enjoy the finer things in life. Um, and I did so, and I, yeah, uh, ended up just playing local footy at the time and yep. working away. Having said that, local footy in Melbourne still pretty competitive and yep. and can be lucrative. Yes, it particularly can. if you're fresh out of the the top level. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a nice paycheck. Yeah, every fortnight or so. Um, and I mentioned before you you know you had to to work under some pretty big names in footy in uh, James Hurd, uh, Bomber Thompson. When you get to uh, the club Melton South, uh, Brendan Favola also in his post AFL yep. <laughs> days is. Uh, is one of the the coaches of the club. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on Fev? Yeah. Also, much <laughs> like the last couple, erratic at best. Um, yeah. What, what? What? Where was he at in his life? I mean, he's, he's had, had his ups and downs. Where was he at in his life at that point? I think you know, he 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 actually he been on the up, back up. So he started to turn around. He was working at um, Nova or one of the ones yep. over there. Um, they were quite a popular. Um, drive show because, you know, he says it pretty much exactly how mm. it is. So people like to hear that raw kind of um, take on things. And he'd started, yeah, back with his partner and he, um, yeah, was mm. on the right road again after being derailed several times. Yeah. As a um, as a coach, though? Yeah, not much of a coach. <laughs> <laughs> kick it, Game plan, kick to, kick to me. <laughs> so he's playing yep. at the same time. Yeah. So, was he trying to direct traffic when he's actually out there? Or was it pretty much just uh, send yeah. it send it this way? Yeah, a bit of directing traffic when he when he had his breath, I suppose. Um, he was a, <laughs> he wasn't small, Brendan. By the time I got to meet him, um, bit out of shape, but yeah, it was basically kick it to uh, him. He used to, he kicked a couple of big bags, which was which was good to see in um in person, and yeah. uh, kick a few down his throat, which was nice. As well. Yeah, I mean, great skill level. You can't take Elite. that away from yeah. the from the bloke, yeah. but yeah, aerobically. Yeah. Um, and his, his weight management, not always on top of things there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty much the strategy, just uh, kick it to him, and yep. that was that was your directive too, I take it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how would you describe your time there at I Melton, really, Melton South? I really mean, enjoyed good it. Good times? Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. Um, we were an okay team. We weren't, weren't awful, weren't, weren't great, but um, 
it was yeah, it was good time. You know, I think like most local footy clubs, it's it's more more off field kind of stuff. And you know, yeah. you, you have your selections on Thursdays, your palmy and your beers, and Saturdays you hang around and you know get around the club, which was mm. which was really good. You know, hadn't done that for you know four or five years. Um, yeah. Obviously, playing at you know East Perth and then um then Essendon, so it was good to just get back and play um, do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and was Fev leading the charge with the. He was he the, was the post game. He was pretty celebrations. good. Pretty good. Um, he picked and choose because he uh, had it. I think he was at triple M as well at the time. Mm. So sometimes early you know, had to, he had, Yeah, and had to get to the game to go watch and commentate. Yep. So um, bits and pieces where he had to early starts, um, bit of commentary. But when he when he had a beer, he yeah yeah he had a beer. He enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's everything we uh, expect from Fev. Yeah. He lived up to expectations. He did. Had you met him before then? No, I hadn't. So yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good. So he's probably in his right place now, yeah. uh, talking about footy rather than playing and coaching. Yeah. Yeah. He he still sees sees the game as well as anyone. So I kick so many goals, I suppose. So yeah, as you said, elite skill level, great mind, but uh, yeah, lacking yeah. power. Let coach. some other yeah. aspects of his game slip away a little yeah. bit. Which you know, let's be honest, yeah. it happens. Correct, it happens. Um, so moving back to Perth was it a pretty obvious choice for you in the end? Yeah, just family, friends. It's always, I think, easier to move back. Um, and I wanted to finish off some study, so I decided to do that. Yeah, yep. study that you started in Melbourne. I started initially before getting drafted in Perth, um, yep. and then continued it online in Melbourne. Then. Yep. Back here in Perth in person. Yep. And what were you studying? So I've done a sports and exercise science degree at uh, UWA and now I'm doing my master's in, yeah, cool. in uh, teaching at UWA too. So Okay. It's good. So any schools out there, secondary PE, <laughs> hit me up. Especially if you want to hear some fascinating <laughs> yeah. stories exactly. about uh, about and Football Club <laughs> yeah, at a exactly. fairly fascinating time. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to your early days though. Yep. Um, obviously you're a sporty sporty guy mm-hmm. uh, you, and you, you know played – for East Perth before you went over to Essendon, um, how big a part was footy of your life growing up? Yeah, um, I think pretty big. Um, enjoyed playing footy like anyone. Initially, I think you start it just to make friends and play it and enjoy it, and I loved it. Um, you know, I used to get the boots on at home and wear them in the car on the way to the game, that kind of stuff. So I really yeah. did enjoy playing footy. Yeah. Um, you get through those teenage years where you kind of have to make a decision whether you're going to, you know, not necessarily concentrate on footy, but, you know, do a fair bit of work for your footy because it just doesn't happen. Yep. Um, you get on your, your ability so far. Um, and that's when I think I was tossing up for a few years, you know, if I was going to make it or not, and that's kind of was my downfall initially. Yeah. Uh, but then put the time in over the, the, you know, 19, 20, 21 to, mm. to make it. Yeah. Who were your heroes uh, footy-wise growing up? Footy-wise, it was pretty tough to go past – Ben Cousins, but we've already spoken about enough erratic yeah. characters today. So, yeah, Ben, Judd, Kerr, uh, Dean Cox, all that midfielder to watch as growing up as a WA yeah, kid. It's pretty hard to go past. Yeah. yeah. When you're at school, you mentioned you're a Hale boy. Yep. Um, obviously, that's a, you know, a pretty good place to uh, to learn your craft and, yeah. and play top-level school-age footy. Yep. Um, at the same time, you know, Mum and Dad spend a fair bit getting you there, yeah, correct, and paying the fees. So, yeah. uh, academic also pretty yeah. important too. Um, was it was it tough to balance both of those things? Um, to a to a degree, yes. Um, I think um, I didn't spend enough. Obviously, didn't spend enough time on either thing to be honest, <laughs> or, or, or study. But um, the school itself uh, is set up in a way to to really give you the best opportunity. So they don't they don't make you play sport. Um, 
but they, you know, they, they, if, if you've got a skill for it, though, yeah, they, yeah, they they encourage you, don't they? Yeah, correct. Um, and it's also, I think, at, at that time when you're doing your exams and your assignments and bits and pieces, an outlet outside of studies and is, is a good way to, to you know do better. Yeah, essentially. yeah. Um, so from school, then you, you're playing Colts at Claremont. Yep. Um, was Claremont your sort of your your, your boyhood? Waffle team. Uh, just, How did you I, end up under there? I think it was just the zone. I, the zone yeah. I live, grew up in is 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 Claremont's, um, and thought that I would, you know, play mm. a lot of footy there, but it never happened. I played every pretty much every single game in my Colts year. Unfortunately, you got um, uh, injured in playing the final series, but I played with Fifey, Trav Collier, Nick Lima. Yep. Like we had eight draftees, and we won the, the flag by hundred points. It was yep. a really good. Um, age group um mm. and then at the end of that year when you go up into seniors claremont was a, a really good league team at the time they had blackwell ron johnson uh, who else i don't know uh, just lots of other players Kane yeah. mitchell now who's still a gun um and they were there and they were like you might not be playing um yeah in this league team to start with we want you to move to a a grade local club and i said well i'd rather just play if i'm either going to play league footy or i'm going to play with my mates at Scarborough. So that's yep. how it went and I ended up leaving Claremont because of that reason. Well, they yep. asked me to yep. move on. And on to East Perth, which we'll get yes. to right after we take mm. a break. Yep. Uh, Nick Comer is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the story of uh, AFL footballer and many other things, uh, Nick Comer. Uh, Nick, we've sort of uh, gone in a completely scrambled order uh, through your career, but uh, you were just uh, saying before the, the break about how you uh, saw a need to leave Claremont and their Colts set up and, and if you wanted to continue on uh, that was going to be at East Perth um, tell us about your time at East Perth obviously it, uh, it it gave you the springboard to then you know go over East and, and join Essendon but um, yeah tell us about your time at East Perth yeah it was uh, it was good um, 2011 was my first year there played a couple of uh, games in the, in the twos after getting a call from a bloke to come from Scarborough Footy Club Um and yeah, kind of just went from there. Ended up mm. playing a fair few more games in the in the league that year um, under Tony McCarr, which was a really good coach for me. Um, he was he was honest, gave direct feedback. Um, old school, yeah, old school. Got a few sprays from him. Um, yeah, but put me on the right path. So, warranted, yeah, warranted, definitely. <laughs> Sometimes I do the wrong thing, um, but he he was definitely a big uh, big factor in in make um, basically making me make it because yeah, because yeah, that would have been crunch time for you, right? This yeah. is when it. It could have just sort of drifted into just being a hobby, yeah, or it could have been something that you really pursued with everything you had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that first year. Even then, I thought, you know, it's pretty tough to get picked up late in the piece, like like I was going to. Um, didn't think that I'd make it, but the back end of that second year, I, I started string together some really good games of footy, and luckily enough, it caught the eye of a, a recruiter. And yeah, the rest is kind of history there. Yeah, they don't make coaches like Tony. No. Anymore, do they? Well, no. they're not allowed to be <laughs> I don't think, yeah. the way they are at top level. Um, is that a is that to the detriment of the game? Do you think, or is there still a place for those sorts of coaches and, and a good old fashioned spray when required? 
There is, but as yeah, as I say, it's pretty tough to get away with it now. There's a lot of a lot of mobile phones, a lot of bits and pieces that that can leak out some some good old fashioned you know sprays mm. in, inside inside closed doors. Um, a good old spray at you know quarter half time stuff still warranted and, and still good to see. I, I do enjoy seeing it and being on mm. the end of it at the time is not ideal, but yep. sometimes it does kick you in the right direction. Um, yeah. Now that you've sort of come out of that whirlwind career that you've had. Uh, and you know it, it it is a little i suppose different to a a usual progression into the AFL it, it, given that you were drafted as a more mature player uh and then going into Essendon when all of that was going on as you reflect on it now um did has, have you come out of it with with sort of a, a bittersweet feeling about the world of professional football how do you reflect on it yeah it's it's a fickle industry i think i i knew that bef- before going into it but even more the added the added pressure of you know just form um, bits and pieces on on social media like mm. if you play a bad game you go into your social media the the morning after and you've got a hundred messages from people going you know good and stuff like yeah, that so good rubbish yeah basically yeah. You, but then you've also on the other hand you, you you take it with a grain of salt there's a lot of people out there going mate I think you're a star like you're going well keep working you, you're trying your best all that stuff so yep. um, but it is a it is a fickle industry and especially if you get you know, right place, right time, and I was at the right place at the right time in 2012 when I got drafted, and then two years later or three years later, I'm, I'm injured and I'm not mm. not playing anymore. And you know, the next crop of people come through who are just a bit quicker, a bit stronger than you, and then all of a sudden you're outside the team. Mm. You're finishing off your um, your study now with a view to going into education. Yep. If you know you're in a school environment and you see a promising young 15, 16 year old. Footy player, would you encourage them to to follow that path? Definitely, but I'd also, you know, education is yeah. very important. And I think, as we spoke about it before, it, it you can do both. It's not they don't you know mm. not, you can't just do one or the other. Um, but give it all you got when you're young because you will look back on it. I think in, and go, well, if I didn't give it my best, you know, yeah, opportunity what, what could lost. have been, yeah, yeah. What advice would you give them? Though on a you know just in terms of being able to stand up to the demands uh, of the game in twenty twenty and beyond. Um, well, the games even even in the time I was there, it's changing just so rapidly. It's so quick. These short quarters now at the moment as well. Like you, you have to be able to be you know elite for a long period of time in terms of endurance, power, speed. So gym work programs, that kind of stuff, look into doing that kind of stuff. But also recovery is huge and important, mm. making sure you're doing the right things, whether it be with your nutrition or water intake or whatever, stretching, yep. all that kind of stuff. Just do everything you can. Make every post a winner. Try and, you know, look after your body as much as you can because at the end of the day, people don't play or there's a lot of stories of being like, that guy would have been good if he didn't get injured, that guy would have been yep. good if he didn't get injured. So there's more of those stories and go, mm. that guy made it because he – did everything right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And if a so-called sports scientist tells you to take something, yeah, ask him what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Especially if his name's Dank. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a fascinating character to have on the show, wouldn't he? Correct. Stephen Dank. I'm not, I'm not sure that he qualifies as inspiring, but uh, he'd certainly be interesting. Um, teaching now, obviously, that's your your next uh, phase of your life. But you've you would have acquired a little bit of um, you know knowledge and understanding about how the human body works, particularly in a in a sports setting. I know you mm-hmm. have. 
uh, plagued by injuries throughout your time. What have you learned about how your own body functions and how it's held up to the rigors of footy? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, it's just tough. It's tough. You, yeah, um, you have to do everything right. You it was, it, knees, particularly for you, wasn't it? Yeah, patella tendonitis. And, yeah, yeah, three knee ops, but I've also I've done my sh- three shoulder recos as well, so that doesn't really three help. shoulder reconstructions. Yeah, so. yeah right. Or the same shoulder? Nah, one oh, one on my left, two on my right. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just doing everything you can, as mentioned before, to to make sure you can be on the park. Because if you can't train, you you're yeah. not going to get picked. It's pretty simple. So do you still do you wake up a bit uh, croaky and groany these days? Yeah, a little bit. I think my, my my girlfriend after a game of footy at the moment, she she says, "When are you going to give it up?" Because I can't walk till that Tuesday. But <laughs> I do enjoy playing with the boys on Saturday, yeah. so I'm going to do it as long as I can. I think because I think I will miss it when yeah. I have to give it up. Yeah. So ultimately. What you've been through hasn't uh, tarnished your love of the game. Nah, not at all. Um, even it, you know, with the saga and everything, I still, still really love footy. Mm. I've actually actually love watching it with my mates as much as I love playing it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know. And do you watch it with uh, with the bombers in your heart? Yeah, it's, I'm a bombers boy now, which is it's interesting. Um, but it's also good. We have a, actually quite a large. WA base of uh, bomber supporters, which is good. Yeah. Um, also have a soft spot for the Eagles, but you know they've they've yeah. had their trot. And they've what's that? Three flags now, so, <laughs> or four flags? So I don't know. Go. T- time for the bombers to fly yeah, again. Exactly. Well, good luck with everything. Good luck with your teaching, uh, and um, yeah, hopefully you stay <laughs> injury free for the rest of your uh, footy days as well. Yep. Don't destroy yourself, mate. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for coming in and uh, sharing your story with us. Uh, This is another episode of Inspiring Stories, this time uh, with Nick Comma here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.